I'm going to turn my phone off because I'm a professional. Professional phone turner offer. Welcome to Soundboard, the Steinway and Sons podcast on artistry and craftsmanship. I'm your producer and host, Ben Finan, editor-in-chief at Steinway and & Sons and for the online music magazine, listenmusicculture.com. My guest today is Steinway artist John O'Connor, who recently recorded his second album of Haydn sonatas for the Steinway & Sons label. He spoke to me about the project at Steinway Hall in New York City. Hello, John. Hi, Ben. Thanks for talking to me today. Delighted to be here. Why are you here today? You're recording some Haydn for the Steinway label. That's right. That's the word on the street. That's the one. Tell me about Haydn, generally speaking, Haydn as composer of works for piano. What is it that drew you to record Haydn? Well, I this is the second recording I've done for Steinway of, of Haydn sonatas. I always feel that the Haydn sonatas are underestimated. Um, I think that... Children play movements from Haydn sonatas because some of the movements are easy. Mm. And they think, therefore, that Haydn sonatas are easy and that they're for young children. But I think they have some magnificent sonatas. I mean, he wrote, well, whether it's 52 or 62, whichever numbering you want to believe. But there are some incredibly wonderful sonatas in that. And I think they're not played enough.
behind is it because they live in the shadow of beethoven and other sonata heavies a little bit i mean i think that that uh, they're not as powerful in some ways as the beethoven sonatas but then they're earlier i mean i think that the mozart sonatas are different but i think the, the haydn sonatas are quite unique in their own way they have a sparkle in them that is not necessarily always there in the mozart and certainly not in the beethoven they can be very funny at times. Some of the tobums are incredibly beautiful. The staccato and the sprightliness and the energy in them is very infectious. And I think that they should be played more often. So I persuaded Steinway to do a Haydn CD a few years ago. And it went so well, I said, can I do another one? They said, we'd like you to. So that's why we're doing it. When you say they can be funny, that's, that's something that I've heard before in reference to Haydn and also sometimes to Mozart. But what shape does humor take in classical piano music? Well, he tends to sort of not put a downbeat in a downbeat, but delays it a bit. And then he will every so often do a very big forte and then an absolutely surprising pianissimo. I mean, I'm sure Beethoven would have learned from that. I think that some of his last movements, the presto movements, there is finger work flying all over the piano, which is pure fun. And, and it's, spark- it's just show off, really, in a way. I mean, it's no wonder that, that Liszt was his great grand pupil, and Czerny was his grand pupil, and Beethoven was his pupil, that they, they all learned a little bit from him. I think he should be given his rightful due in the piano sonata repertoire list. That's fair. We tend to think of Haydn as a symphony progenitor and as Papa Haydn, and as this guy who cranked out a lot of material. And sometimes when you write a lot, People tend to discount how good it can be. Yeah. Joyce Carol Oates syndrome or whatever. But yes, Haydn's work for piano is overlooked. I'm glad you're here drawing some light to it. When you sit down at the keyboard, what are the priorities for approaching Haydn? What is it that you want to draw out? Well, I think the juxtaposition of the sparkle and the beauty. I mean, that he can actually change so fast from being somebody who's writing something which is pure fun, to something that actually means an enormous amount. And if you put uh, enough expressiveness into it, it can be extraordinarily moving, particularly some of the slow movements I've been playing here today. They're just, they're just wonderful. They're just fantastic. And people don't hear them nearly enough. Thank you. 
what of Haydn's influence do we hear after Haydn for the piano? What is it that he did that we can hear in the classical through line going forward? Well, I think there's no doubt that, you know, even though Beethoven said that Haydn taught him nothing, that uh, it still is interesting that Haydn, that when Beethoven was publishing his first three sonatas, he wanted to dedicate them to Haydn and asked, now this was good business because he felt if Haydn gave him his imprimatur sort of thing, that um, people would buy the sonatas because Haydn approved of them. But um, Haydn probably looked upon Beethoven as one of his errant students, um, not one of his great students, but, and Haydn probably passed on quite a lot to Beethoven that uh, Beethoven didn't give him credit for. I also think that Beethoven would have learned a lot from hearing Haydn's works, even if Haydn himself wasn't the greatest teacher, per se. That's fair, sort of influence more than than pedagogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was interesting that when Beethoven started publishing music, he didn't publish symphonies first or string quartets because the string quartets of Mozart and Haydn and the, and the symphonies of Mozart and Haydn were so phenomenal and so so well-known that he was careful not to publish something that would be, let's say, rivaling himself as a young man in his 20s with, with the great maestros that Mozart was dead, but Haydn was still very much alive. And having his great success in London and coming back, Beethoven at the beginning decided to write his Opus 1 or 3 piano trios, mainly because Haydn and Mozart didn't write very meaningful piano trios. Haydn wrote a lot of piano trios, but generally speaking, at the beginning of it, the cello part just plays the left hand of the piano, so cellists don't want to play it. It's only the later ones change. I mean, and Mozart only wrote six or seven piano trios. Well, Beethoven wrote three and published them as Opus 1. He could publish piano sonatas because the Haydn and Mozart piano sonatas were mostly written for harpsichord and sort of the early forte pianos, and the piano had developed so much at that stage that Beethoven could ask them to do more. So therefore, he challenged the piano and the pianists more.
In addition to Haydn, we know you for bringing a certain Irish composer back to prominence. John Field, uh, yes. Would you like to tell us about Mr. Field, for, well, those, for those who don't know him still? Well, I'm very proud of him. I mean, John Field invented the nocturne. I mean, he invented the nocturne to piano mainly because he was living in Russia at the time and he realized in the early 19th century that the 18th century sort of compositions of the fantasy, the sonata, the variations, were not really the sort of thing that people wanted to hear after dinner, Mm. particularly in these noble houses. So he looked for a shorter piece that would be more charming and win over his audience more. And he published various pieces called Romance and Pastoral and things like that. And then in 1814, published the first three nocturnes. And nobody had ever written a nocturne for piano before. Haydn had used the name of nocturne in the 18th century, but not for piano. They became all the rage. And it was, I mean, so incredibly fast that they went all around Europe, considering there was no email or hashtags or Twitter or any of these things. And everybody wanted to hear more nocturnes, so he wrote more nocturnes. And then in the 1820s, one of his students went back to Poland and played some nocturnes, and Chopin, who at that stage was in his teens, heard the field nocturnes, started writing nocturnes, wrote his own nocturnes, and then everybody wrote nocturnes. I suppose one of the reasons I feel that Field has been denigrated in a way is because people tend to put him down as being a second-rate Chopin, not realising that he was about as far ahead of Chopin in years between his nocturnes and Chopin's nocturnes as between early Haydn sonatas and late Beethoven sonatas. Yeah, of course, when we think nocturne, we think Chopin. And uh, this, is, this is thanks to Mr. Field. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Good for him. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much for speaking with me today. I'm looking forward to hearing your Haydn sonatas on the Steinway label. Go Rebina I'll maybe see you tomorrow. Oh, I'm impressed with your Irish. Thank you. Tough all your Cheers. And don't forget Slauncha as well when we're having a drink. <laughs> been listening to Soundboard, the Steinway and Sons podcast on artistry and craftsmanship. We heard a clip from John O'Connor performing John Field's Nocturne for Piano No. 5 in B-flat, H-37, Andantino on Telark. 
And we also heard him perform Haydn's Sonata No. 47 in B minor, H16, No. 32, in its entirety, for his album Haydn's Sonatas, Volume 1, on the Steinway & Sons label. Visit steinway.com label to learn more. Our intro and outro music is Philip Glass's Mad Rush, performed on a Steinway Model M by me, Ben Finan, editor-in-chief at listenmusicculture.com. Questions for the podcast can be sent to info at steinway.com with the subject heading Soundboard. Thank you for listening.